Alrighty, okay, okay, okay. We are back. Episode number eight, Spandex Planet. Thanks for listening in. This week, I have notes. So, hopefully we will actually, you know, have some sort of format, stay on track. Uh, I do think it's fun not having a real um, solidified structure. I kind of just talk about what I want to talk about, which is pretty cool. And I guess I'm still doing that, but uh, there's a little bit of a structure that I have outlined so that I can talk about more stuff that I want to talk about, which is sort of the idea behind this pod. Um, so yeah, this pod brought to you today by myself. Just kidding. I don't have uh, any sponsors. However, that will be the goal down the road. So, um, you know, keep keep rating this guy, um, leaving reviews on, on iTunes. I think that really, really helps get some more ears on it. Follow me on Twitter at SpandexPod and uh, enjoy. Oh, I am getting extremely excited for uh, AEW Double or Nothing. At the time of this recording, it was announced that they will be showing uh, Double or Nothing on ITV. Uh, which is, I believe, a European uh, channel. So I think some people originally thought that that meant that they weren't getting like a actual national broadcast TV deal, but it's yet to be announced. And I think word on the street is that it's going to be AT&T. So AT&T, yeah, they're actually going to be uh, streaming it only off of AT&T uh, devices. Uh, meant TNT for sure. Uh, so that's a station that, I mean, frankly, I haven't watched in years. Uh, I don't hear it talked about often, but I know it used to be a big, uh, big wrestling channel and Hey, maybe it's making a comeback. So I think that that's super cool. Um, of course, watch a lot of being the elite on YouTube, which sets up a lot of their, their storylines. Um, and is just entertaining nonetheless and helps just build the character. But then also I've been watching Cody Rhodes channel, which is nightmare family, which is even more, um, creating or, you know, developing storylines, I guess, um, a little more active. There's a lot of good stuff. The last one had a good bit with Jericho and just helps with, with everything. And I think you really have to watch all of that content before, um, the show and it just helps you become more invested in the characters and, and understand things a little bit better. Um, I, I do th- nightmare family is a little more serious. I mean, there's certainly some funny stuff in there, but being the elite is, is, is a lot of stuff, but, um, it's mostly like bits. So, uh, it, it's super entertaining. Um, really, really enjoy the, the best friends, uh, stuff that they're doing right now where they're upset that they're in the, the battle Royal. Um, and, and it's go give it a watch if you haven't. I mean, honestly for being the elite, that's been around for a very long time. So it's going to take a really long time for you to get through all of that. But if you want to at least start with the current ones and, and then work your way back, I think it's kind of fun. Um, as far as the Nightmare family, uh, the Cody Rhodes channel too, I mean, they go as far as describing like match types and giving you rules for matches coming up. And overall, I think uh, AEW is is 
it has everything in the right place to make it seem like it's going to be a huge company. And it's crazy because it's, I've never really seen anything like it. Uh, and I think it is unique in the sense that it's, it's, it's an indie company. I mean, all of these guys are all from the indies. Um, and they're just getting an opportunity to be a part of a company that has a lot of money behind it. And I mean, getting a national TV deal obviously legitimizes it, which kind of legitimizes indie wrestling. And it's just, it's crazy to see all the opportunity. Um, it's really exciting. It makes, certainly makes me wish I was still, uh, running the ropes and, and working. Um, not that, you know, I would be, uh, looked at for AEW, but I just, you know, the, the excitement of the opportunity that would potentially present itself or that you could work towards, um, it would be really cool. Cause I think WWE is just such a far off, like crazy stretch type goal to, to think of. Um, and I mean, maybe not so much now WWE really does hire a lot of the top top indie guys, but you know, there's even indie guys that you've never heard of that are, you know, very good, but they're just, they don't quite have the notoriety. Um, and so I think that it's, it's really cool to think of AEW just giving guys opportunities. Like I, you know, I would never expect to see Chuck Taylor, for example, on WWE TV. Um, and, and not because he's not good or not because I, I don't think that he's capable, but it's just, you know, based on WWE's like branding, I just, I don't know. It's tough for me to envision that, but on AEW, like obviously he would be there. Um, on the nightmare family channel, they ran, um, a, a promo spot for, um, I, gosh, his name escapes me, but it's it's a an indie wrestler who's been around for about a year who literally was born without legs and he does incredible stuff um and it's just like you just wouldn't see those kinds of opportunities i think like wwe you know utilized zach gowan um and really kind of just exploited the injury for a very brief period of time but it had no staying power in aew i could see this guy with no legs being <laughs> like, you know, around and like really having a main essential part in the company, which is crazy. So it's just an exciting time. And, um, I think, you know, it has the right people in place. Jericho legitimizes it for sure. Um, that gets some, some mainstream folks eyes on it, but then you have young bucks and Kenny Omega and flip Gordon. And of course, you know, Cody and, uh, best friends and Colt Cabana and just, you know, basically every top indie guy that you've ever heard of is there S uh, SCU. Um, and I think, you know, if you came because you heard Jericho or Cody was there and then see the level of talent, uh, I mean, that's going to make you a fan and, and it'll keep people. So Really, really exciting. Really, really cool. Excited for Double or Nothing, but then just excited for the future of the company in general because I think, like I said, has a lot of staying power, and it's cool to think that maybe one day WWE will have some actual competition. As far as WWE goes, let's jump into that a little bit. Uh, it's been very confusing um, with the weird... Uh, I can't... The wild card rule, I guess, is is what it's called. Um, I'm gonna be honest. This week is was tough for me to really find the time to like watch the show live, but I I watch parts of it and then skim through the rest on DVR. So it's 
uh, I mean, there was some good stuff. Uh, I mean, Daniel Bryan and, and Rowan uh, grabbing the tag titles is pretty cool. I like that Bryan said tag tag titles are going to main event WrestleMania. That's literally always been a dream of mine. My favorite thing ever has always been tag team wrestling. I've been such a huge uh, mark, as they say. Uh, I've Just a sidebar, I feel so silly using wrestling terminology but it's kind of fun especially considering what this podcast is about um but i've always just loved tag team wrestling so the idea of a tag team main eventing wrestlemania is pretty sick uh not that i think it'll happen but i also never thought that women would main event wrestlemania and uh that's that's that um i just think that they don't quite know what they want to do maybe i I I couldn't tell you. I don't I don't know. I just that's that's really how I just feel about the product right now. I just don't really know where they're going with it. I I always enjoy it um and I'm always like into it. I think it's cool that we're getting like an AJ Styles Seth Rollins feud and again Brian and Rowan with the tag belts and um you know some of the other stuff they have going on like not that I've seen them on, on TV yet, but like Buddy Murphy on SmackDown is intriguing to me. Cedric Alexander on Raw is intriguing to me. Um, I love Hawkins and Ryder, which is pretty sweet, uh, being the tag tag champs. And so I liked, I enjoyed their match with the War Viking Raider experience dudes uh, on Raw. And then, you know, Money in the Bank coming up is, is cool. I think the Money in the Bank lineup is sweet. I'm excited to see Ricochet on the main roster. Um, just a side note on Ricochet too, man, it is so weird for me. Like I've always watched Ricochet uh, since he was like 12 and had the, the ridiculous hair. He's like a little skinny kid and really just watched him grow into like a crazy, um, like huge indie darling type guy. And you know, when I wrestled at the stadium Inn, he actually used to wrestle there also. So did Chuck Taylor. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's wild to think about how far he's come. And it's just weird that he's just on raw and going to be in the money in the bank ladder match. And I don't know, it's cool to look back on. It's definitely doable to, to make it where you want to make it. It's inspiring. Uh, plus he's cool as fuck. He does cool stuff. So, uh, there's that. And then we have the Lars Sullivan thing with him attacking random people. And also apparently being overtly racist and sexist uh, in 2008. I I just really have mixed feelings on this. So people dug up some old like Reddit comments, I guess. They didn't look like Reddit. They looked like he was on like a bodybuilding.com forum. I didn't read like super in-depth into it, but he said some stuff that really leads you to believe that he's a racist <laughs> without really like saying any like racist words or anything, but it was like, it really implied some racism and sexism and like honestly man like it definitely seems like a joke or like he's just being stupid and like i listen to some crazy shit like come down is one of my favorite podcasts and they are just overtly racist and sexist and it's all a joke and it's it's tongue-in-cheek and that's the point of the show so i'm a little less sensitive to it um, if somebody's a legitimate like racist or sexist, I obviously don't agree with that. And I, you know, fuck those people. But I, I don't think based on what I read that he, he is that. And maybe I'm off on that. 
But regardless, some people dug some shit up. Plus, it was literally 11 years ago. And I just hate that that's where we are, where people will just dig things up. It's very similar to the James Gunn made a fucking joke about pedophilia, which I understand is a sensitive topic, but it's a joke. And that's kind of what makes it funny. And, you know, people tried to end his career. Um, and it's very similar to what the Lars Sullivan thing is. <clears throat> Do I appreciate Lars Sullivan as a competitor or as a performer, not a competitor? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I'm not a fan of his. But also, it's like, bro, this is some stuff that he said 11 years ago. It was not definitely not in good taste, but also who fucking cares, man? And it just it's really annoying. And then he apologized. And it was obviously a, like a PR thing that he needed to apologize. And I thought it was fine. And people have a problem with that, too. They're like, oh, you know, at least, you know, I guess it was better than Hulk Hogan's apology and all this other shit. And it's like, it's just not the same thing. And no one will ever be happy. And people just want to find shit to be upset about. And, uh, I mean, whatever. It's not the end of the world. But it's, I just had seen so many articles and I was kind of avoiding it. Um, and then I really was like, oh, no, like, what did he do? Is this you know, a situation like a Hulk Hogan situation where the N word was used and it was just very clear and like bad and recent. And it was like, this was from 11 years ago. And he, he said some things that implied something about racism, but there's even one, like he had a tag that had something to do with something that was about a black person versus a white person. And someone called him on it. And he literally said in that form 11 years ago, like it's a joke for that from a comedian. Like I, you know, and it's just, I don't know, man. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. And, uh, maybe I'm insensitive for that, but also, you know, it is what it is. Th- those are, those are my thoughts on that. In other WWE related news, there's always been this story, um, amongst wrestling fans, uh, about this guy, Tom McGee, who was looked at heavily as like somebody who could potentially be the next big thing, big jacked dude, um, had a great look, and this is um, in the 80s, and you know, that's it was certainly the land of the giants at that point, so. Um, you know, he was tapped to, to be the next guy. Um, so he comes in, he works a match with Bret Hart and he wins and is an untelevised match. And, uh, after the match was over, it was basically pretty much the consensus that this was the next Hulk Hogan. He looked like a million bucks. This is our guy. He's amazing in the ring. He has an amazing look. And then later on. It was, it was, he was found out as being probably, um, the worst, most uncoordinated, horrible professional wrestler that had ever stepped in the ring. And it's just always talked about, you know, how perplexing that was. And his career is pretty much dead in the water. And then it, you know, turned into something where it was just discussed how good Bret Hart must have been to make this guy look so good. Um, and the matches, the match was never seen because it was untelevised. It was obviously taped. WWE has always taped their stuff, but I kind of was lost. And people have been trying to hunt it down forever, for years, of course. And I think Bret Hart was probably the only one who has a copy of it. Uh, and 
it got kind of hot again for some reason. It, it kind of goes through its phases off and on as the legend of the match actually happened. What did the match actually look like? Um, and it's been years. It's been a big deal. Uh, people have claimed that they had it or put it up on YouTube, and it's obviously not the match and things like that. Well, I, I think StarCast is happening, and you can Google StarCast, but I think they were going to air the match they have or talk about it or do something with it. And so I believe this is what prompted this, but WWE announced they were going to stream a documentary on that lost match between Bret Hart and Tom McGee. And I think it's after raw, um, this following Monday. So that'd be May 13th, I believe. And so for wrestling fans, this is pretty insane. Uh, this is something that's always been talked about. And especially for wrestling historians, this is like a wet dream, man. Dudes are creaming their jorts. Um, I, I just, I'm super pumped about this. I think this is such a good idea that they're doing this and they're releasing it. Um, super exciting. And uh, I just wanted to get that word out there because I think that that is super, super cool. And then I was kind of scrolling through and, and looking at some news and I saw something about Johnny Gargano and I, so I wanted to spend some time just on him in general. I think he, obviously it's, it's a consensus. At least I think it is that he is absolutely one of the best, if not the best professional wrestler in the world right now, his matches. I, it's not a secret how wonderful his matches in NXT are specifically at takeover bunch of five-star matches. The most, ever or something. I don't know. Dave Meltzer doesn't rate WWE matches that high very often. And all of Johnny Gargano's takeover main events are rated that high. So, I mean, he, he's pretty incredible. And I remember the first time I saw him was at Dragon Gate, uh, USA. It was when Dragon Gate came over and tried their, uh, American indie company. I was all in man seeing like BB Hulk and Dragon Kid and, um, all those guys, uh, Shima and, 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 uh, gosh, who was the other guy that I liked? Um, uh, I can't remember. I was going to say Masato Tanaka, but that's not who it was. Um, anyway, regardless, they, they used to do these things for like local indie guys or indie guys that weren't huge, but were trying to get booked and, um, they would put them on the pre-show and it was always on the DVDs. And a lot of times they were these like elimination style matches. And I can't remember what they were called, but the first time I saw Johnny Gargano was in one of those. He had a ponytail and a scrunchie. It came out in a jean vest and, uh, I hated his entire, everything that he was doing. He was the whole shebang and I just hated everything about him. But I did actually enjoy the match. And then he started kind of picking up steam in that company, um, among other companies. And I don't know. I just think like he started to really kind of grow on me. And I think he was a heel. And then he started getting more of a, a baby face turn. And I really did uh, follow that company. And I think that's honestly where he really started to come into his own. And from there, he was at Evolve came a really big deal at Evolve, um, started tagging up um, in Chikara with, uh, as Fist with Chuck Taylor and, and Icarus and just kind of blew up from those Dragon... I believe it's from Dragon Gate. That's where it blew up. And that's where I started seeing him over the years really turn into like less gimmicky and more just 
a solid wrestler. Like he was just like a wrestler's wrestler. Um, and he became evolved champion from there and just started like getting so popular. Then, you know, once you get booked in PWG, you're obviously on my favorites list generally. And so he gets booked in PWG and just has killer matches there. And it's crazy because he's a small guy, but he doesn't do anything high flying whatsoever. I don't think I've ever seen him on the top rope, um, which for his size you would expect. Um, but he's just so good. Um, does some creative stuff. I always was just in love with this, uh, uh, slingshot spear that he still does. Um, and he just really made a name for himself. And then of course, you know, we know from there, he ended up in NXT with Tommaso Ciampa. And now he's like the face of the company. Uh, and I was just reading that he also was a producer for NXT. Like that, it just, that shit blows my mind. It's so crazy. Watching somebody start, I think the first time I saw him was like 2009, uh, and just, so that's 10 years, and he went from being like an indie guy on a pre-show to uh, the face of one of WWE's brands and a producer at the same time, and I mean, I think that just, that speaks to the opportunity that NXT presents and also just you know, living your dream. And I think I can relate because I know like his backstory and he was like a fat kid and I was all, I was too and just loved wrestling and cheeseburgers and shit. And so I'm just like, I sympathize with him. And so that makes me like him more for sure. Um, but, uh, anyway, I just thought that was really an interesting bit of trivia. I guess, if you will, uh, to read. Um, and that explains a lot because NXT always puts on quality stuff. It's way more, um, indie, but, uh, it's, I don't know. It's very entertaining. Absolutely. The most consistent product WWE has ever put out. Honestly, NXT just always delivers every week and every takeover. And I just think, uh, they obviously recognize that, and Johnny Gargano as a producer is a solid move. On the figure front, I no no uh, toys, if you will, purchased. Um, I'm not really like a huge. I think I talked about this, but I'm not like I, d- I definitely collect, but I'm not like a huge uh, like figure craziness buying every single week type collector. Like if things look cool to me or they stand out, I purchase those for sure and sometimes things get my my blood boiling or I get the itch um as the Michael Jordan of wrestling figure collecting would say and uh I I will purchase those things um I was going through some of my old stuff and there used to be this set called final count and it was like a two-pack and they were really like posable and they were doing like moves in the packaging, if that makes sense. And anyway, I think they were pretty popular, but I don't feel like they lasted for that long. Or at least I didn't see them all the time. I had one. I can't even remember. I feel, I know it was one of them was, I think triple H. And I don't remember the other person it may have been like the rock and he's like doing the pedigree. So his hair is like up in the air as if he's jumping and they're posed like that in the packaging. But I had seen one of them, or maybe I heard it on the Major Wrestling Figure podcast, but they were talking about the um, Jamie Noble Hurricane one, and I just, like, couldn't stop thinking about it. And uh, 
I always was a huge Jamie Noble fan. I didn't necessarily relate to his character or his gimmick when he came to WWE, but I, I thought he was just a great wrestler and he, I loved the hurricane. I did relate to that character, you know, being a comic book fan and having a superhero legit as a pro wrestler was like money to me. And so I loved their feud and I, you know, that was hurricanes mask getting removed and that was wild. So they made a final count set that had the hurricane and Jamie Noble. Um, and I believe it was Jamie Noble's first figure. Um, and the hurricane had a removable mask. And, uh, I just literally, I could not stop thinking about it for weeks. So I scoured eBay, didn't find anything, didn't find anything. Finally one popped up and it was only like 40 bucks plus shipping, which is, these are very rare. Keep in mind. So they, they generally, the rare ones go for a lot more than that. And it was being bid on and it was just a few days left. So I put in a bid, um, and I was the high bidder for a minute and then I got outbid so I bid again and uh, it was just like a bidding more and I got so involved and I set a timer on my phone because I knew when it ended and I just wanted to be ready and shoot that bid and that's all I was thinking about and I fucking missed it and someone outbid me at the last minute. I don't even know what I was doing, but I missed it uh, and it was a really big bummer because I was pretty sure I was going to get it and I was really excited. Um so that sucked. And then I went back and I just can't find one again. So, you know, that's just the way that it goes. And that's that kind of stuff that makes me like not want to do it because I just, it's so much effort to get some shit, but like, it's not very often that I find something that is like rare that I really, really want. Most of the time you can find it on even Amazon and I'll just buy it now. Uh, or I'll find it at like target or something. This one I'm not going to be finding on Target or Amazon. So it was kind of a bummer to lose it, but I will keep everybody updated if I find it. Because that Jamie Noble figure with his little cloth shorts is cool. And there's like a loose one on there, but I want the the set like MOC, um, mint on card, or mint MIP, mint in package. I don't know. Uh, or MIB. It's mint in box. Um, but I really, that hurricane with a removable mask is is also pretty fantastic. Moving along from figures, let's do a little bit of story time. That's kind of what the point of this podcast was. Um, I think for this this week, we're going to jump back a little bit. The last time I talked about, uh, I believe we were in PPW for Pride Pro Wrestling and talked about kind of being able to do our own thing there. I'm going to pull it way, way back. And I know I said that the first company we ever got booked at, aside from USWO, was uh, FTW, uh, on the Grinch, in the Grinch village on the Grinch mountain. But in all truth, what I failed to remember is we actually did wrestle somewhere else one time before that. And I, I guess I don't bring it up or say that we were booked there. Cause I guess we, you know, we were booked, but really we just tagged along. Nobody really asked us to do it. Um, they just needed some guys and LT, our trainer was going and he just was like, Hey, you guys want to drive? Really? He just wanted us to drive him, which is fine. Cause it still gave us the opportunity to go somewhere, but he was like, Hey, do you guys want to come to Memphis and work PPW there? Which is funny. PPW was around a lot in our careers, but this was power pro wrestling. So power pro wrestling back in the day was a feeder system for WWE. It was developmental. And uh, it's 
run by Randy Hales, who's been around for a very long time and worked with, you know, Jerry the King Lawler. It's Memphis. Uh, and superstar Bill Dundee, who's a very big wrestling legend in the South. And, I mean, again, worked very closely with um, Jerry Lawler. His son, Jamie Dundee, tagged with uh, Wolfie D. Oh, oh, Wolf. Wolf. Uh, I forget. He, he had a different gimmick when he was, like, wrestling when I was around. And his it was, like, he was a werewolf. I can't remember. But uh, they were PG-13 and ECW and, and WWE. Um, anyway, so I think like people get crazy about PPW because they think of it as that feeder system, but this, those days were long gone. Believe me. Um, there were some guys there that were definitely big dudes and seemed like they were headed for, uh, developmental, but, um, it, it's not a feeder system by any stretch of the imagination. It's just a local show now. Um, they had a pretty cool setup, especially considering USWO was basically just a curtain hung up over a doorway in the hotel. And I think um, PPW actually had like a legit like ramp and like uh, like an entranceway. And I believe it, it like show aired on public access. And so it was still pretty cool. And uh, it was my third match. And uh, I'd only wrestled. Mike at that point and uh LT's like hey you guys want to drive me so we make the three-hour trek to Memphis we go we meet everyone super intimidated there was a guy I mean everyone was like super nice don't get me wrong but it's just you know a lot of these guys are very experienced they've been around superstar Bill Dundee I knew who he was so it was cool to to listen to him and I feel like Mikey and Zach yeah they had worked there one time because they needed some some bodies to fill in also and so they asked LT if he had guys again and I just so happened to be out there at this point um anyway so we go out it's uh they just needed someone to fill some some time they didn't have a very deep roster not a lot of bookings on that night um so they just let Mike and I wrestle each other which is great because that's what I felt comfortable with um I think I made a lot of mistakes that night uh based on fear but you know, it doesn't really matter now. Uh, so LT came and wrestled one of their one of their top guys. Uh, cannot remember his name. And in, in a really good match. And then, um, you know, while that's occurring, we're meeting all the boys in the back. And there was a, a gentleman um, who was wrestling under the name of Knuckles Madsen. At, oh, no. That's what he ended up being in WWE. So I totally fucked my own story up. But uh, his name was Killer Nichols at this time. Uh, and he had been wrestling in the South for years and probably like 6'4", 6'5", 250, 260, 270, somewhere around that. Mohawk, big dude. Uh, used to come out and just destroy people, that type of like monster gimmick. Uh, and he eventually got signed to WWE and was in, in NXT for a minute as Knuckles Madsen before. I don't know if he quit or just retired from wrestling or whatever but he was there and he was a big deal in that territory and so uh we meet randy we're young kids i think they were excited about us lt vouched for us keep in mind they have no idea this is my fucking third match um and mikey's probably like 10th or 12th or you know not not a lot of matches under our belts um, and they set up this whole thing and really they're just let, uh, letting us do our thing for 10, 15. And then they wanted killer Nichols to come out, choke slam us. And, 
uh, I think like Bill Dundee wasn't super involved with us, um, which is not a big deal. I just, he was doing his own thing, but Randy Hales was, and I think he was the booker. So that's probably why, but he is the most hilarious human being of all time. He's been around a lot of wrestling legends and what have you, but he is just a fucking character, man. So we did impressions of him for years after this. Um, and he just is, it's almost like he's not a real person. So he's like explaining to us what he wants us to do. He's like, you guys go out there and then Josh, you're the heel. So, you know, you, you're going to lose. We're going to let the baby go over and you know, the ba- the baby will go over and, and then, you know, you're no good prick. So what do you do? He tries to shake your hand and you kick him while he's down. Uh, and then after that, Killer Nichols comes out and gives him a big old choke slam. And then, uh, you know, you look at him like, hey, let's get this motherfucker. And then uh, you, you, he choke slams you too. Uh, and that's literally probably verbatim. Like we used to recite that speech all the time. So we thought that was funny. Uh, we go out. I get a really cool entrance. And so that made me like super pumped. It's full crowd, like full on. We are totally jam-packed and and our girlfriends are there they rode with us in the car with another wrestler and it was very awkward for like three hours but uh we did it and i drove of course because i had my own car and no one else did uh but it was fine and so we go out and uh mike comes out he has a cool entrance too people really instantly like him he's tall like young good looking kid and i'm like a kind of a chubby shithead in a zebra singlet so I'm obviously the heel. We go out and I just wasn't confident and I just wasn't used to a different type of ring. Cause again, this is like my third match. So my first two were in this particular ring and now this ring is different. And it was just a weird experience. It looked like shit. Everything I did, like I hit the ropes poorly. Um, I mistimed a lot of stuff. A lot of the moves just looked sloppy, hit a couple of things that made me look kind of athletic uh, because I've always been able to do a few things and got some, some pops from the crowd. So that was cool. Uh, Mikey wins. Uh, and then, you know, we do the whole spot. I kick him while he's down. He comes out, choke slams Mike and then choke slams me. Uh, and so all of their shows aired, they had like an internet show and a YouTube. And like, even on the, on the website, they like did a match listing or on their Facebook and my name at that point was Josh Prada, um, and for whatever reason. And uh, I just remember that they got Mike Revick correct, but they kept calling me Josh Prevo. Um, I don't know why, but that's who I was there. That night I was Josh Prevo, and that's just kind of the way that it goes sometimes. If you've ever heard the infamous cowboy Chris Jericho story, very similar to that. Uh, so anyway, so Josh Prevo and Mike Revick go at it, have a not great match. I look like shit. Mike doesn't look bad, but I, I certainly look like shit. We get chokeslammed. We come back. No one says a word to us. Um, LT goes out and wrestles another match under a hood, as they say, under a mask, just to fill a spot. Just a total squash match, and it's some gigantic dude. And this is what, what I said mistakes. It's like, they're like, hey, we need another head. Like, we need someone to work a match. And as a young guy and a new guy, you should really be the one to say, yep, I'll do it. I'll go get squashed. I'll put on a mask, whatever, get some experience and just like fear. Cause I'd never wrestled anyone else just took over and I pushed out and I just was like, Nope, Nope, I'm good. When they asked and they didn't say anything, but it's just, you know, looking back, it just doesn't make you look like you really give a shit. Um, and it doesn't make you better. And I wish I would have just taken every opportunity. Cause I probably would have gotten better faster. 
Um, anyway, so uh, an- another infamous uh, Randy Hales story there. They <laughs> he uh, there was some spot at the end where their two their main event guys are in a feud, and the heel is just like is attacking the babyface, and all the babyface guys are supposed to hit the ring. I just I will never forget. The timing was off, and I never forget Randy Hales losing his mind and running in a circle, basically, in my memory, with his arms flailing, saying, The babies! Where are the babies? Get the fucking babies! Where are the babies? And just screaming. And it's just a very funny sight. Certainly had to be there, but Google a picture of him and then imagine him acting like that, and it's pretty pretty hilarious. So needless to say, they definitely paid us, which I wouldn't have, but that was very nice. That was my honestly my first real payday. Um, I mean, they paid LT because he was the one who brought us, and uh, I just, like, needless to say, we were not asked back, <laughs> um, and we ended up being the only match that was not showed on their internet show or their their broadcast. They edited us out, and I don't blame them because it was awful. So, cool experience overall to say I wrestled in Memphis for PPW. Kurt Angle had gone through there. Good, some good dudes, even though it was not a good showing. I don't know if the match exists anymore. It used to be on Mikey's YouTube page, but I think that that page is gone now. I think it got too many, too many copyright strikes. Um, but it used to be on there at least like in a music video form because we wrestled each other for about three months straight, like in a feud. Maybe not three months, maybe just two, before we tagged up, um, and uh, that was a part of it. And so it was a good experience, but not quite what I would have hoped for. Um, and that set the stage for our feud. We are able to get like right after that, they let us main event one of those Saturday shows that I was talking about. There's probably like four people there and we just beat the shit out of each other. And I remember Brian Christopher, RIP who, yes, I know he, he passed away for sure. And that's very sad, but he was a fucking asshole to us. Um, and I know he had a lot of personal demons, so it's like I don't hold any like resentment necessarily, but it's just honesty. Like he was not nice to us, and we were young guys trying to come up, and it's like he I think watched part of our match when we had our main event, and as if I'm not nervous enough, I'm on a poster, and it's like I'm main eventing the show, and I don't feel like I'm a good wrestler yet, and I'm not, and that's why I feel that way. And you know we're trying to do some cool stuff, and honestly we had some cool spots with like a chair and. We had bought some stuff for, like, kendo sticks, and, like, it was cool, uh, but I, I don't know, man. I just, like, he watched part of it, and he just talked a ton of shit, and then just totally, like, big-leagued us and didn't talk to us and talked to literally everyone else and just acted like an asshole, and it's just, like, that didn't that wasn't necessary because I talked earlier, like, Kid Cash did the same thing, and we didn't have a great match, but, like, he was such a cool, nice guy Um, I mean, there were times where like, you know, Raven was in the locker room, for example. Right. And it's like Raven was always super cordial and nice. And he obviously didn't. I don't think he took the time to watch our matches, which I wouldn't expect him to. But he was just cool to us. And like, I understand you're a big deal. You're fucking Grandmaster Sexay or whatever. But like, damn, man, there's there's honestly no need to be a dick. Um, And so unfortunately, I had a sour taste in my mouth. And I always really loved Too Cool, so it was kind of a bummer to finally meet him, and he was just an asshole, and, you know, he's he's not with us anymore, and that's obviously very sad, but that's just, that's my experience with Brian Christopher, so, um, aside from that, I mean, there's just kind of 
leads me to think about just guys in the locker room in general, not even just like visitors, but you know, we had some guys that were in WWE run through like Chuck Taylor wrestled there. Ricochet wrestled there. Um, uh, like I said, Raven was there for a while in a feud with our big guy, Josephus who, who, you know, they had great matches and he was always very nice. Um, you know, Wolfie D I talked about earlier. He was always in the locker room. He's always very nice to us. Like, I don't know, man. Like, there's no reason to not be nice, I guess. But there's some guys who think that they're hot shit, um, and they always were in the locker room with us, and they would just, like, purposely try to, like, razz us. And I understand, like, like hazing or initiation or whatever. But, like, these guys are, like, wrestling at the same show that we are in the same spot as us, and they're trying to act like... They're way better than us. And like on a skill standpoint, yes, you've been wrestling for years. You, you certainly have a better understanding, but you're not that good or you wouldn't fucking be here. And we're here. And, you know, I, I don't know. And it's just, it was Southern. So there was one guy in particular that always, always, always fucking said something. And like, whether it was me or whether it was Mike, like, I feel like Mike was around longer. So he was just a target sometimes, like just commenting on why you wearing kick pads. Like you just want to look like an indie worker. Like, bro, that's what we're fucking doing, man. Like just dumb shit, which I try to like embarrass him. And like, it was just bully shit. And, uh, that was the kind of stuff that really like turns you off because we just wanted to go have like a good time and just wrestle and just like have fun. And some of these guys just really tried to make your life fucking suck. And it's maybe not even that serious. Like we'd go out do our shit and people would mind their own business for the most part. But it's just like having to worry about some asshole who's like in the main event and who has like respect with a lot of the boys in the back, like standing up and trying to like target you for a few minutes and just be a fucking dick for no reason. It's just, it's irritating, honestly. Um, and you know, there's other guys who were just, not just not cool guys. Uh, I can't even remember his name now, but he's like, I remember his real name, but I'm not going to say, it. I can't remember what he wrestled as, but he was just this big dude. And he just like was not nice for no fucking reason, man. And Mikey wrestled him a few times before I was out there. And he just like really tried to be a bully. And I just don't, like I said, I'll never understand that. And I know like at one time USWO, at least in the South was kind of a big deal, but it wasn't anymore by the time we were there, but these guys were still there, like latched on not doing anything else. And I think they're just projecting. And I think they don't like that. We were like young guys, uh, much younger than them, like starting out. And it's just like, they wish they were young again and like had their whole career or whatever. It wasn't a career, but had their whole wrestling life ahead of them. And, you know, they were like, I'm main eventing this show and you're young and you could potentially take my spot one day. So I want to make you feel like shit so that you don't. Um, and I think that's all it is. And that's how bullies think and how bullies act. And that's what it is. There's a lot of bullies in wrestling, unfortunately. Even though we're wearing literal spandex um, and fake fighting someone, there are literally guys who actually think that they're tough guys and act like it. Um, don't get me wrong. There's legitimate tough guys in professional wrestling. Of course, you know, there's folks that have an MMA background or folks that are just very, very tough and are actually, you know, capable of legitimately fucking someone up. But those guys tend to be the nicest and that's pretty funny. Um, and that's kind of how it is in life too, man. I mean, I train jujitsu and I, I do every once in a while, I maybe feel like 
doing some kickboxing or some like actual MMA. And so <clears throat> that tends to mean I'm in MMA gyms. And, you know, I think there there's guys who are the typical like meathead type guy and they are just trying to assert dominance and take advantage of inexperienced folks. But the real like badass guys, like they, you know, they, they don't do that. Like they're, they're very chill and nice because they're confident and they don't need to show off and, and bark and all that. Um, and I don't mean to be so negative. I think like there's obviously good things about it. I think on top of all the shitty people, there's probably double the cool people. Um, I met so many super cool guys when I started working for Nashville pro because the, the individual or individuals that, that started that had a lot of money behind them. So they were able to book guys that were able to like travel and, uh, it, you know, it, it was, it was really nice to meet, you know, some folks from, just other other regions, other places, and you get to know them, and they were always so just, like, chill and wanting to help, and it was awesome, man, um, and, and we'll get into the Nashville Pro stuff a little later on, because that was a really humongous uh, moment for us, and it changed a lot of things, um, some for the better, and some for, unfortunately, some for the worse, but... I just want to, you know, touch just one last time on locker room stuff, like, because I'm thinking about it as I'm, as I'm talking about it. And I did say, you know, there's double the the good people versus bad. And, and I really do think that that's true. And I think at the time I maybe didn't recognize that, but hindsight is always 2020 in these kinds of situations. Truthfully, there were a lot of really, really cool dudes who just loved wrestling and just wanted to help and wanted to collab and just hang out. And, and those are some of the best times look, looking back and the, the asshole moments were honestly few and far between. I think most of it is when we worked shows with, with guys who had been around for a long time. And I don't want to like categorize the, the entire sum of, of the, the older, older guys in territories as assholes because there was older guys who were there to help as well. And really were just cool guys. Um, but unfortunately there's a lot of guys that just never made it and they project on you. And I sort of alluded to that earlier. They just don't want their spot taken or they're just bitter and they just see a young guy and they're like, fuck this guy, you know, and they take advantage of you in the ring sometimes. And they're just, they're just not nice. And there's, you know, there's a reason that, that you flush shit and cream rises to the top. I don't think that that's like a, a sane, but I, th- I feel like it made sense. It made sense to me and I liked it. Um, maybe I should, maybe I should get off this cause I could get real passionate about the bullying thing. I think I just maybe need to use my oose cream or oosey cream, whatever they called it on raw. That raw was so bad, man. There was so much bullshit. There were things that I liked. Uh, like I talked about ricochet and the, Viking Warrior Raiders and Hawkins and Ryder. Uh, but just like some of the other stuff, man. God, the Usi Cream stuff and just, I don't know. I'm not a fan. Some people are calling it the worst Raw ever. I don't know if that's true. I do think it's a little overdramatic, but it certainly did not hold my attention. And for a three hour show, I mean, there just needs to be more 
packed in there to to keep everybody coming back and this is not going to help i don't i don't foresee this helping their their ratings um but hey man it's wrestling and if you don't want to watch it you don't have to there's plenty of other stuff i think we talked about aew as an alternative um or you can just you know watch it and just have an opinion and complain that's also fun i i'm on reddit i understand it is fun to do that uh but just i just think it is wrestling like keep that in mind it's not that serious it's uh guys grown adults playing characters dressing up in costumes and pretending to fight each other in front of a crowd uh and so sometimes that's gonna be weird and not be like that cool and it's just to be expected but you just had to look for the good moments and the good the good parts of things uh and it, honestly if if you're over wwe as a product i think you just stick with like nxt for example and honestly 205 live kills it it doesn't get enough recognition it kills it all the time and or i used to spend a lot of time just on youtube watching random indie shit that i never would have seen before just because i got bored of wwe i don't think that that's a bad thing um just come back around wrestlemania time it's always kind of weird in the summer uh, and then when we're heading into like Royal Rumble WrestleMania, but just it gets better, and I feel like that's just how it is. That's WWE's off season. So, in closing here, uh, I think man, I talked about a bunch of random shit. Uh, it was cool to talk about PPW. I think all just because Nashville Pro got brought up i'm just inspired to talk about it so i think on the next one i'll dive into that a little bit what it was how we were booked there um and other than that thanks for listening uh follow myself follow the pod on twitter at spandex pod uh there's no merch yet but there can be so as as soon as there's some some demand i will supply for that demand Thanks for listening to Spandex Planet. This has been me.